have been in the middle of a sermon series entitled, uh, The Best is Yet to Come. Amen? The best is yet to come. Now, in order to get the best, you're going to have to believe. And you're going to have to walk in faith. We've talked about that. And the moment you sit out to walk in faith, someone takes notice. It's like you're on his radar. As soon as you say, well, Lord, I want to, I want to walk in your goodness. I want to experience all your fruitfulness. I want to see, Lord, what you have for me. Come on. How many of you know that God's plans are good plans for you? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. God loves you. And if he loves you, and how many of us love, love our children? How many of us have good plans for our children? Amen. Well, can I tell you, God says, if you know how to bless your children and you're an evil person compared to him, right? How much more does a good God love his children? So he has good things for us. But the moment you step out in faith is the moment you show up on the enemy's radar and the enemy's going to do everything he can to keep you from walking in that promise. He's going to try to have you forget who you are, forget what he has promised and get you going in a different direction, get you focused on yourself. Because when you start focusing on yourself, you forget God. And the more you look at you, the bigger the problems look. Why? Because you're looking from a human perspective. And when you look from an eternal's perspective, nothing actually looks that big, does it? You start to see with godly eyes. And the enemy doesn't want anything to do with that. So he's going to come against you. But this is the key. The key is to, is to meet him there on the battlefield. See, the Bible says we battle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the evil forces of this dark world. So he's going to do everything he can to keep you from taking that ground. Think about this with me for a second. Would you expect the enemy to say, by all means, have as much as you like? You know, just, oh, you want to take ground? You want prosperity? You want everything good? Go ahead. Hey, boys, back off. Give him his beautiful life. No, he's going to come against you. He's going to say, not on my watch. You're not going to take any ground from me. And so the more you meet him there and the more you battle, the more you battle in the spirit and let God battle for you. Sooner or later, he has to give you that ground. Why? Because the Lord has already declared it. The Lord has already declared it. The Bible says that you are saved by his grace, right? Right? You've saved by his grace. We are his masterpieces created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he has prepared beforehand for us to do. And so when that, that's a good work that God has given you, you can step out in faith and you can take it in the name of Jesus. Amen. And that's what I want you to see today. The best is yet to come, but you are in a spiritual fight. We know that that spiritual fight took us to, or, or talking about that spiritual fight took us to the book of Judges, specifically chapter 12, which is the story of Gideon. And in the book of Judges, we see that God can do we see what God can do with a few, amen? It's just a few that God will use and he can do an amazing work. So I want you to remember that. God doesn't need a whole lot of people to do a whole lot of work. Matter of fact, in one man, he became, he became uh, flesh. And through Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, the son of God, God in the flesh, in three short years, he changed the course of human history. You might say, well, pastor, he had the 12 disciples. Yeah. And with 12 men that had been washed out of the current system, they had already fallen out of the current system. They were deemed to be the least of the least. God took those guys and changed the world. Changed the world. So God can do a lot with a few. And so I want to share this with you that we've been, 
We've been in this story of Gideon. We've covered a few things. One is uh, God got Gideon's attention. He got Israel's attention. How so? They had been unfaithful. And so what you see in the book of Judges is a pattern. You start at 12 o'clock, right? At 12 o'clock, you have faithfulness. But then they forget. They come over here to about 3 o'clock, right? Face, I'm looking at the clock this way. So at 3 o'clock, they start forgetting by by six o'clock, they've forgotten, they've reached rock bottom, and the enemies of Israel begin to oppress them. In that rock bottom state, they start to remember God. They come over to about nine o'clock, they start calling on the Lord. The Lord starts uh, coming near to them, and then faithfulness again, and on and on the pattern goes. And so we see this unfolding in the book of Judges. And so God, number one, point number one is, do I have your attention? God will use very difficult circumstances to get our attention. And he used the Midianites to get their attention. Then number two, once he got their attention and they started to turn, then he began to give them a godly vision. What is that godly vision? It's that vision that Jeremiah shares for the people. It says what? For I know the plans I have for you, right? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I'm here to provide for you. I want to, I want to make you the head, not the tail. I love you. That's a godly vision. And so after the godly vision comes his presence. Then he comes near to you and starts to empower. But I want to share a couple of things before we get into our last three points. And uh, go with me to Judges 6 verse 7. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, right? They're down here. Six o'clock at the bottom of the pattern, right? That cycle. They start crying out to the Lord that the Lord sent them a prophet who said to them, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you out from Egypt. I brought you out of the house of bondage. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you. I'm the one who delivered you. I'm the one who brought you out of the house of bondage. I'm the one that's done all of this for you. And I also took out those in which land you were taking, or actually it was your land. They had what? They had occupied your land and I ran them out for you. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the Tenebeth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, Joash, the Abazarite. Abazarite is a very, very specific word. The reason I stop at that word, and I've said it a couple of times, the Abazarite. The Abazarite was a title given to to uh, Joash's clan. Now they're part of the, the, the tribe of Manasseh, but here you have a family that's been given this title. And I thought, why would God put that in there? Do you realize that this title is something very, very specific? In Hebrew, it means our father is our helper. Now, which father? Now, obviously they're talking in physical terms, possibly, but more so they're talking in spiritual terms. God the father is their helper. And here they are being completely oppressed by a foreign enemy. Not only are they so uh, oppressed, they have lost all confidence. All confidence. Now watch this. While his son 
Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites because he didn't want his only bit of food to be stolen. That the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you. Now, do you realize that those first words that the angel says, that the angel of the Lord says to Gideon is what the story is all about. God is with you. And then, he, and then he delivers this message, you mighty man of valor. Now, last week we said that God always calls the things that aren't as though they were, right? Because so many times we see our current situation, God sees the whole picture. And he says, no, 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 no. I see who you're going to be. And that's what I choose to call you, a mighty man of valor. Amen? A mighty woman of valor. Now watch this. His purpose always invites his presence. So God is about to give him a purpose and he marks it with, I will be with you. Put that deep in your heart. Then when you walk out God's purpose, you don't have to worry. He's with you. Why? Because you're about his purpose and he always attends his purpose. He doesn't send you out as orphans. Isn't that what Jesus said? I don't send you out as orphans, right? You go in my authority and with the power of the Holy Spirit, I will be with you. As long as you're in my purpose, doing my kingdom's work, I will be with you. You don't have to worry. Now Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Now we hear this prophet you raised up, right? In the verses we just read, the Lord sent them a prophet that reminded them of all he had done. I'm the one that set you free from Israel. I'm the one that set you free from your captives. I'm the one that gave you this land and drove out the inhabitants. I'm the one doing all this work. Okay? Now Gideon asks the perfect question. If we've been hearing all you did, why have you abandoned us? This is very, very important. Because God is saying this. It's not me who abandoned who. It's you who abandoned me. I am faithful. Come on, can you say an amen to that? Lord, thank you for being faithful. That even when I have abandoned you, Lord, you've never abandoned me. You know what God is saying? I've been there the whole time, but I will not be complicit in your sin. You won't get me dirty in what you're doing. I cannot enable your destruction. If I bless you while you're destroying yourself, guess what that makes me? A horrible father. So I've been patiently waiting for you to be oppressed and to reap the consequences of your sin so that the consequences are grave and severe enough that you cry out to me. And now that you've cried out to me and you've turned from your ways, now I'm here to tell you, I will be with you if you go in my direction. Come on, church. Can I get an amen? So then... The Lord turned to Gideon. Now, I want you to understand this. What has just happened here, guys? First, it was the angel of the Lord, then the angel. Now, it's just the Lord. Do you realize that many scholars believe this is not an angel? This is Jesus. Gideon doesn't know the difference. The bright and shining star that God is, Jesus is. Jesus is shining, right? He looks like an angel to him. He's like, I don't know. He's a messenger. This is Jesus, the Lord. Now watch this. Up until this point, the angel's under the tree with Gideon. I don't know what he's like, but maybe he's kicking back, chilling. Right? And they're having a conversation. Now Gideon starts to question him. What does the Bible say? He turns and he faces him. We know this because Gideon said he's 
talk to me face to face. That's what Gideon says in a minute. And so we know that God comes close and says, hey, I know you have doubts. No, this is not an intimidation, guys. See, for us guys, we think, oh, the angel's starting to, Jesus starting to buck up to him, go, hey, you questioning me? No, no. This is Jesus saying, you need to look in my eyes. I need to look into your soul and remind you, I'm with you. I love you. I'm calling you to something great. And I know you're going to be nervous. And I know that your faith feels like it's going to give way underneath your feet. But I will strengthen you. I will strengthen you. This is what he's saying to him. Watch this. And this is what he says. He says, now go, go. Now let me ask you this. I just talked about faith, but God says go. Do you realize the relationship between faith and go are like this? That's why James, the brother of Jesus, says faith without works is what? Faith without going is dead. James says this. He says, we talk about faith, and this person talks about faith, and this person talks about faith. How about this? I show you my faith by my going. By the way I go, by the way I walk. Hebrews puts it this way. Faith is what? The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. What does that mean? Substance, evidence. It's tangible. That means your life has to show your faith. And here, here, the angel of the Lord comes and says, start walking. Start walking with me. When you start walking, you're going to feel yourself growing in faith. Can I tell you, some of us wait back and we want everything to feel perfect before we go. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. You don't get to be a great baseball hitter by saying, I'll step into the batter's box when I know for sure I can hit a home run. That's not the way it works. You want to know the way it works? The way it works is in peewee, uh, 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 in the minor leagues, right? Little baseball, you step into the batter's box and you're shaking. I can't even remember what it's called, but I can remember shaking. And the guy was the best pitcher in the league. He was an all-star and I was a younger, a younger kid. And I sat there and I shook and shook. And finally I swung a few times, but then I got on base and my hitting got better and better and better and better, but it didn't happen by just saying, I'll wait till it happens. No, I had to go. I had to step. And that's where Jesus is saying to him, go in this might of yours. Here it is again. He calls the things that aren't as though they were. Have I not sent you? Now watch this. Verse 15. So he said to him, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? For I'm indeed the youngest, the weakest, the, the, I'm the least. I'm the least of the least. You know what I find so interesting is that this, in a sense, is Gideon saying, look at me, God. Now, how many of you have ever had your child or your loved one say, look at me. Hey, dad, look at me. Dad, mom, look at me. Come on. How many of you ever had a a child like that? That means they're, they're excited. They want to show you something. Is this what Gideon is saying? Hey, look at me. 
No. How many of you had a child say this to you? Look at me. I can't go. I won't go. Look at me. I look horrible. Am I the only one? No. What is that? What's the difference? One is excited, ready to go. The other is saying, no, I can't go. Which one do you think Gideon's using? Second, look at me. I'm horrible. I don't have what you need. And with every step, he goes back. You know what I love about Jesus? He's so patient. Come on, can I get an amen? He's so patient. And this is what God says. Surely I will be with you. What was the first line I told you to remember? Do you remember that? The first line is, the Lord is with you. That's how the angel starts. The Lord is with you. Here he says what? Surely I will be with you. Surely I will be with you. Amen? Now, this is what's so awesome about this. Okay? Because because Gideon says this. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, this is verse 22, Alas, the Lord God, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. So this is Gideon saying, I've seen, I've seen it face to face. I know this has happened. But do you realize what happens before that? Before that, give me one second here. This is really starting to... Do you realize that this happened in second service? My, my slides are just doing whatever the heck they want to do. And I had to just go with it. Then I made sure that they were lined up. I even grabbed the computer before I took the platform. I made sure they were lined up. And now they're doing their own thing again. So, Ms. Sharon, you're going to have to hang out with me because I'm going to preach this message whether... The enemy likes it or not. I'm I'm preaching this message. So I'm looking for, before 22, I'm looking for Matthew. Now I want you to notice this. If this is Jesus talking to Gideon, doesn't this sound eerily familiar? Go, surely I will be with you. Is this what he tells the disciples? Don't the disciples feel much like Gideon? Lord, we're supposed to reach the world. And how? Look at us. Right? And he's saying, look at us. And he's saying, hey, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. Watch this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. What? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them everything I have commanded you. And lo, I will be with you till the very end of the age. I will be with you. You want to know what's, what else is really cool here? Is that, is that Luke gives this very same commission in different words. He says, and you will receive power. Now watch this. Matthew emphasizes Jesus' 
authority. Luke emphasizes the power. You cannot have true authority without power. And you can't have power without true authority. They go hand in hand. And so I love it from different points of view. It tells you everything you need to know. God has given you authority to take the ground. Yes, you're going to face opposition. But you will have the power. Why? Because I will be with you. How will he be with you? I will not leave you as an orphan. For I am a good father. I will send you. What does the word that I told you? Remember that? Abaz, I write. That means God the father will be with you. He sends us a comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. The very spirit of Jesus Christ that indwells us and goes with us and empowers us. He gives us power to overcome And here, this is the exact same message that the angel of the Lord or Jesus Christ is giving Gideon. Isn't this beautiful? And so, so Gideon says, man, I've seen the Lord face to face. This is, this is verse 22, but I want you to back up to 15 and 16, not 15 and 16, 17 and 18, 17 and 18. Gideon says this, and this is what's going on here. He says, if I have found favor in your sight, Lord, wait for me so that I can go grab an offering for you. And you want to know what Jesus says? Read that last line with me that I have uh, highlighted there. I will wait until you come would have the nerve to put Jesus on hold. Can you hang out here for a minute? How many of you know we do it every day? Lord, can you hang out here? I got, I got some stuff I need to take care of. Lord, can you wait here? I got a career I want to build. Oh, can you wait here? I got a little ball that I want my son to learn how to hit. Ooh. I got a little, I got a brown ball that I want my daughter to learn how to kick. Can you wait here? You say, pastor, are you against sports? No, I'm against sports being ahead of Jesus. At some point, you got to teach your son, daughter, your, your, yourself to keep your eyes on Jesus more than to keep their eyes on the ball. Because I hear coaches say that all the time. My dad used to tell me, hey, keep your eyes on the ball. 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 All the way into the glove, right? But he taught me how to keep my eyes on Jesus. That's the most important thing. So I'm going to bring this to our lives. Now watch this. He says, will you wait here? And Jesus says, yeah, I'll wait here. Now he didn't just run home and get a, a gold coin. He didn't just go get a couple of dollars, bring an offering. He had to go get a goat. He got all these arrangements. He got everything he needed to make a fire. He got all kinds of stuff. How long must that have taken? Do you realize that Jesus ends up waiting a whole lot longer than just that? But he brings the offering. The Lord consumes it. And then he gives him direction. And this is where we pick up today's message. You're going, what? Oh, all that was free. That was just bonus. These next three points go really quick, really quick. Number one is private faithfulness has to come before public usefulness. 
Ooh, write that one down. Private faithfulness has to happen before God can start using you publicly. Because so many people want to be used publicly, but they don't have their private life in order. And this is where God starts to talk to Gideon about his private life. What private life? His family. His family. He says this. Now it came to pass that same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, tear the altar of Baal down to the ground, the one that your father has, cut down the wooden images that are beside it, build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement, right? And take the second bull and offer as a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took 10 of his men, Right? Ten of his men that were part of his, of, his, of his group. And he went and did it. But watch what it says. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the town too much to do it by day, he did it at night. You know what that means? Hector, he was stealth. He went ninja style. He's like, I want to make sure no one sees me. By the time they find out, it's too late. It's done. Come on, how many of you are going, eh, I don't know. He did it. He did it. God said what? Go tear it down, do this. I wonder if he asked God, can I do it at night? <laughs> this is funny, is it not? This is funny. He did. He, come on, some of us need to get it done. Whichever way it happens, even if it's at night, even if you barely get it done, but get it done. What do I mean by that? Strongholds are hard to deal with. And it's going to take a lot of strength, but the power of the Lord will be with you. You'll get it done. I can tell you every year people will hear something like this. And I pray that the Lord would move by the power of his Holy Spirit to teach you and to give you eyes to see things that are not honoring to him. Because every year I have people that come up and say, Pastor, you were preaching this message or I heard this that you said. And I realized that this artifact, this certain painting, this certain thing that I have in my home, I received it from this person. I received it from a relative. I received it while I was traveling. The Holy Spirit let me know that this is demonic or this is from a, from a pagan culture or this is. Do you realize that you can go right down here to home goods and get Hindu nonsense? Why would anyone ever bring that into your home when that is specifically attached to demonic worship? And so if God, if you want to see God manifest his power in your life and do amazing things, you got to get that right. How about this? How about the things you view? How about the attitudes you have? How about... I don't know what it is, but you got to get with the Lord because he'll tell you, this is what I need cleaned up. I need this straightened out. And then you also have to be able to speak truth to your family because this was his father and his kinsmen. But notice, he went at night. So how does that, per how does that pertain to our life? I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you go straight up, full assault, Bible in hand and start Bible thumping somebody. You know, you don't do that. Thanksgiving rolls around here. I've been waiting for you. Come on in. In the name of Jesus, you will repent, you sinner. Can you imagine smacking somebody over the head with the Bible, just hitting them? Repent. You got them down on the ground. Repent. And then you tag out to your wife. She jumps in with an elbow. Repent. I mean, that's not the way you do it. 
How do you do it at stealth? How do you show God's love without the frontal assault? Maybe you say, hey, I heard you're going through a hard time. My heart breaks for you. Please know you're in our prayers. Can I pray for you? Is there something you need? Not, I told you you were going to end up in divorce. That's what you get. I told you so. No, no. Can I encourage you? This is what the Lord put in my heart. He who began the good work is faithful to complete it. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. The Lord is faithful to forgive. All you have to do is ask. He's there for you. You know what? We have an amazing church. We have an amazing discipleship group. You know, we get together on this night. I'd love to invite you. Come on out. If you ever need someone to talk to, I'm here for you. How about this? Here's some money. I know you're going through a hard time. I'll help you in the name of Jesus. I love you. Right? But go and help your family. Because this is what happens. They want to get him. I mean, they want to come out like, like, they're, they're coming out, no trial, no nothing. We heard it was Gideon. We're going to get him. We're going to hang him up. We're going we're gonna to shoot him. I, I don't know what they were going to do, but they were, gonna, they were not messing around. And guess what? The Holy Spirit begins to work, begins to work in his father. What does the name mean? My father is my helper. There's something in the power of words, right? Because that's where they're from. That's what their clan is called. His father stands up and helps him. The Holy Spirit, the first life he begins to touch is the one closest to him, his father. His father rises up and realizes, wait a minute, what are we doing? Who are you coming after? My son? No, you're not going to have my son. Why are you coming after him? Because he tore down Baal's altar i tell you what if baal is so mighty let baal avenge himself why do you have to fight for a mighty god isn't that good he says if baal is true and baal is right then baal will fight against my son and take him down now we know there are no baals there are no false god they're all demons and they're all subject to the one and true living god and if the one true living god told him to tear it down then it's down and there's not a thing anybody can do about it period amen and so all of a sudden things start to happen in an amazing amazing way righteousness starts starts spreading through the camp and it reminds me of what D.L. Moody said he said give me 10 men who fear nothing but sin and love and love nothing but God and I can change the world wow isn't that true then you run into God's patience what do you mean okay God wants our attention doesn't he not only does he want our attention he wants to give us a godly vision and after that godly vision, he starts to speak to us in a very personal way. He says, I'm with you, right? I'm with you. Then he gives you your first directive. Go get your house in order. You get your house in order, right? Not only does, do you get your house in order, but he begins to empower you. And as you get empowered, then he starts to launch you into your, your purpose. Your purpose. And here, Gideon's about to get his purpose. Now watch. Remember I told you that God is patient and God waits for us. God is patient. Because the enemy, here in verse 33, 
the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people from the east gathered together. They crossed over and they encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Okay, so now Gideon has the spirit of the Lord. He begins to sound the alarm to get the troops together and the troops start coming out. But he starts to realize, okay, it's about to get real, real fast. And he starts to get scared again. He starts to get nervous. Come on, how many of us know that courage is not the absence of fear? It's in the presence of fear, being able to do the right thing and to walk in faith. That's what courage is. And so he says, I see the battles about to take place. I'm blowing the trumpet. Men are coming. But Lord, can I just have another conversation with you? Come on, what did, what did, what did Gideon tell Jesus? Hey, will you wait for me? Can I tell you Jesus is still waiting for him? Because Gideon's not ready to run yet. And Jesus is saying, go get your household in order. Come on. Now, hey, we need to gather the men up. And he's like, well, hold on, hold on. Oh, time out. This is about to get real. Hold, hold on. Jesus said, yes, sir. What, what do you need? Can I tell you, the Lord wants to go face to face with you. Talk to him. Share your doubts with him. Share your doubts with him. So he sets up this, uh, he sets up this, uh, this test, so to speak. It's, it, it, he says, Lord, I want to know that it's really you and that I'm not missing something. Come on, when you're going to go to battle with 150,000 of your enemies, how many of you know you don't want to miss God? I don't want to miss God. I don't want it to be like, I just got excited. I went out there and God, you weren't with me. So he says, this is what we'll do, Lord. I'm going to take this fleece here. All right. I'm going to set it on the ground, Lord. And I want the ground to be wet. I mean, dry in the morning and the fleece to be soaking wet. And then I'll know it's you. So he gets up, he takes the fleece, it's sopping wet. He wrings it out, fills up a bowl full of water. You ready to go? Whoa, whoa, hold on. Time out. Can I tell you, Gideon uses all his timeouts. He doesn't believe in going to have time with a timeout. He uses them all, coach. He's like, timeout, hold on, hold on, hold on. I didn't think this through very well. The fleece is harder to dry than the ground. So it could have all been wet, but the ground just dried faster than the fleece, right? So now I want you to take it, flip it, rewind it, rearrange it. And this is what I want you to do, Lord. I want the ground to be wet and the fleece to be dry. God says, okay, let's go. It happens just like that. God says, you ready? I'm ready to take the next step. And the next step is he gathers the men. And and you can read it. It's up here behind me. He gathers the men and there's over 30,000 men. But I want you to think about this. 30,000 against 150, 200,000. Are those good odds? No. So God wants to up the ante a little bit. And he says, you have too many men. And, And Gideon's like, what are you talking about? Too many men? We're way outnumbered. He says, no, you have too many. I need you to send some home. How should I do that? Just go to him and say, if anyone's scared, go home. If anyone's fearful, go home. Gideon's like, I want to go home. (laughs) I'm fearful. You know, come on, anybody here going like, yeah, I'm not so sure about this. What's so crazy is you still have thousands that 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 are like, yeah, we'll do this. Isn't this awesome? God is moving. 
And so like 10,000 go home or so, thousands go home, thousands stay. God looks at Gideon and says, you ready? He says, I'm ready. He says, no, you're not. You still have too many men. So what I need you to do, take them down to the brook. They're thirsty. When they're, when they're in the stream, tell them to drink. And I want you to watch and count the men that drink a certain way. You're going to have two types of men. You're going to have the men that goes all the way down and goes straight out of the stream. You're going to have the guy that I want you to get the 300 that drink the way I prescribe. Now you go, well, pastor, tell me which way is the right way to drink. I'm not going to say it because I've heard so many different messages. They make such a big deal about the way that people drink. That's not the point. The point is God wanted to prove that if I be for you, no one can be against you. It's not about the guys. It's about God. It's about God. Watch this. The men that Gideon ended up with were 300 men. Oh, but what are 300? Oh, I've seen the movie 300. Man, they can, ha, 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 ha. Right, isn't that the way we think? Oh, can I tell you something? God is patience. And God is about to show Gideon that it's by his power, not ours. That's number six. It's by his power, not ours. By my power, says the Lord. Amen. This is where we finish right here. By God's power, not ours. So he has 300 men. There's a quote that's attributed to the great general of Rome, of the Eastern Empire of Rome, during the Byzantine Empire. He became emperor. And this, this Roman general, Heraclius, has been touted to have said that when I get men, they give me a hundred. And out of that hundred, listen to me, out of that hundred, ten shouldn't be there. They need to go home. Eighty of them are a waste of space. And all they are is a body for target. Nine of them. Oh, but nine of them are real warriors. And we're lucky to have them. They make the battle. Oh, but that one. That one in a hundred. That one is a leader. And with that one, not only do we make the battle, we win the battle. Can you think about this? How awesome is that to be the one? Baloney, that's not what God is teaching in this story. That's the way the world looks at it, isn't it? Oh, to be that mighty champion warrior, to have those certain qualities, to be the best of the best of the best. But Gideon just said, I'm the least of the least of the least. And God said, it's not about you. It's about me working in you. I will be with you. Amen. Amen. Can I tell you something? This is Jesus talking to Gideon the way he talked to his disciples when he said, go, surely I will be with you and I will send my spirit and it will dwell in you because every one of his disciples was a washout. Did you know that? 
See, in the Jewish tradition, you grow up as a child from five years old to nine years old, and you study the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, till you have them memorized. And when you can ask, when they can ask you questions and you can give back the meaning and you can recite the words, then you are considered one of the best. And they say, oh, you're, you have been selected as the best among the best to go to the next stage. The next stage, they study the rest of the prophets and they study and they memorize. And at 13, they determine who the best of the best of the best is at that point. And then if you're selected, then you will, you will study under a rabbi. And you can't choose to do it. You've got to be chosen. And then now you, you are the best of the best of the best. Studying under a rabbi. And they ask you questions and they say, oh, you've got the gift. But if you get washed out along the way, they say, you don't have the gift. You're not one of the best. Therefore, go and apply your father's trade. Go back home. You washed out. Where do you think Jesus found his men? Applying their father's trade. Why? Because they weren't one of the best. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, I use the least these. I use the lowly things. I use the things this world despises to show you what I can do when I get involved. Isn't this the key to the whole story of Gideon? The whole story of Gideon is Gideon saying, but look at me. And God saying, no, you look at me. But Lord, why have you left me? No, you left me. Now let me show you what I'm going to do. I will be with you. Surely I will be with you. Don't you want to know how it ends? Come on, anybody want to know how it ends? God wins. I'll see you next week. God wins. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, but, 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 but really, you want to know how it ends? He takes 300 guys. They go and they look upon the enemy and the enemy is as numerous as the sand of the seashore. And God says, hey, if you're scared, if you're still fearful, I'll wait on you. Isn't that beautiful? I'll wait on you. God says, if, if you're not quite ready yet, go down to the outskirts of the battle. Just sneak up there. Be, go incognito. Sneak over there. I got a message for you. And so they get near one of the towns where they're encamped. And this man is speaking of a dream, a vision that he got. And he's telling of this vision on how this bizarre vision indicates that this great army is going to be defeated by the hand of God. Gideon hears this and the interpretation and is struck to the core. And God's saying, I'm going to wait on you, Gideon. Isn't this beautiful how God works with us? How God gives him something and he steps forward. And then God gives him more and he steps forward. And all along the way, he keeps calling time out, right? Time out, Lord, I need, I need. And God says, yeah, I'm right here. Isn't that his promise? I'll be with you. I'm right here. I ain't left you. Can I tell you, you can ask God, God, are you there? And God will say, yeah, I'm right here. I'm right here. Lord, can I reach out and touch you? Here's my hand. Here's my hand.
Can I give you a hint? When you grab his hand, don't let go. Don't let go. So Gideon comes back. He's completely on fire that they're going to have this battle. They present themselves on the battlefield just the way the Lord said. And the Lord said this, when I give the command, watch what I'll do. The command was given. It's very simple. You can read the whole story on your own, but it's very simple. The command is given and they start killing each other just like God said. God said, I'm going to turn companion on companion and these 200,000, 100,000, 200,000 people, they're going to kill each other. No, so that when everyone reads this, they'll know it's not by your strength, Gideon. It's by mine. See, in the world's eyes, it's by might and it's by power. But God says, it's not by might and it's not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord, and I will be with you. I'll be with you. Someone needed to hear that today. I'll be with you. I haven't left you. I love you. I've got ground for you to take. And some of you are going, yeah, Lord, you, you, I know you told me this, but I'm having real trouble. Call a timeout and say, Lord, uh, can we talk? God is patient. He'll wait on you. But can I say something else? The whole point is not to stay in the timeout. At some point, the timeout is to get that, that courage. And now you got to get back on the field and take the ground. Amen? Take the ground. It may be with your family. It may be in your finances. It may be in whatever God is showing you. But God is with you. Lord Jesus, we know that you came and died on the cross. You conquered death. And you gave us eternal life. And when we reached out by faith to your hand and we put our trust in you, Lord, your promise was to save us, but to give us a helper. And we know that helper as the Holy Spirit that resides within us. Holy Spirit, thank you for this word today. Because the overwhelming message we kept hearing was, you are with us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. And if you be with us, then we can walk in courage. Lord, thank you for courage. Thank you for being with us. We walk in in your strength. Father, we know that we are washed white as snow by your blood. Therefore, we are not the least. We are not the least. No, now we are priceless in Jesus' name. Church, I love you. Thank you for coming. Have a great, great week. Thank you.